0: Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Our gospel lesson for this week comes from John, the second chapter. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace!" His disciples remembered that it it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for forty-six years? And you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Here ends our gospel lesson. to you, Please be seated. Forgot to mention at the beginning that uh, with her a uh, funeral service coming up this week uh, that's a benefit of having our camera system uh, i appreciate being able to um, share and uh, share in services that happen a friend of mine from another camp counselor was my age he just died of cancer two weeks ago and i was very moved to be able to start watching his service uh, right before church this this morning so so this- the wonders of technology are not just for material things, but spiritual as well. <clears throat> God's grace and peace to you, uh, p- grace and peace to you in the name of uh, God the Father. The story, of peop- uh, the story of Jesus whipping people and animals out of the temple in our gospel passage for this week has vexed my perceptions. Of our sacred scriptures for a long time not because Jesus got rough with people and temple leaders mind you that's actually pretty cool but because of the timing when the story takes place in John it sticks out as clearly against the general timeline of Jesus life and ministry as recorded in the rest of the Gospels among and between other gospel stories you can put together a reasonably linear timeline of Jesus' life and teaching. Luke tells us that he was born in Bethlehem. His family fled to Egypt when King Herod started massacring babies. And then, when Herod died, the family returned to Nazareth in Galilee, where Jesus grew up. Our four Gospels tell of Jesus' ministry beginning with either the miracle of turning water into wine, as John tells it, or with Jesus' baptism by John in the Jordan River, as Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell it. From there, he went about gathering disciples, teaching the masses, healing people from town to town, feeding thousands and eventually making his way to Jerusalem to confront the temple leadership, ending with his crucifixion on a cross for the religious disruption that he caused. Though not all the details sync up between these accounts, Matthew records Jesus' famous sermon being preached on the mountain, while Luke says it happened on a flat plain, for instance. Yet the trajectory of Jesus' uh, ministry follows a general, mostly linear path between a lot of these stories. A significant part of the tra- trajectory of these gospel stories is that Jesus preached, taught, and healed in the countryside before entering Jerusalem to face his death by crucifixion. Now this makes great sense in human terms. Throughout these gospel stories, we hear that the temple leaders were plotting against our Lord and coming up with a plan for how to silence him, showing that there was animosity building against the Messiah before he ever set foot in the sacred city. What's more? If Jesus stayed out in the countryside doing wonderful, miraculous things to help the people before he started causing trouble in Zion itself, it makes sense that he would be welcomed as a heroic king on Palm Sunday before he started ruffling feathers of average citizens there. If, as John tells it though, he had already been there and made everyone mad ahead of time, then it is unlikely that the actual citizens of Jerusalem would welcome welcome him back with such fanfare. Additionally, there is the theological argument that Jesus' time of ministry on earth was fulfilled when he entered Jerusalem to face his earthly end at the end of it all. If Jesus was popping down to Jerusalem and back up again, over and over, then it does not seem like it would have been such a special trip when he went there for his fateful Passover celebration with the disciples. If, on the other hand, his trip into Jerusalem was his one and only journey there, then it, and then it would have been a capstone To his life and ministry on earth, with all the expected fanfare and sadly betrayal that we know about his final week among us. So here we are, reading the Gospel of John, in which Jesus makes his way to Jerusalem right out of the gate, right at the beginning of his ministry, when he turns over tables starts whipping people right away and turning the city into a running of the bulls situation by driving sheep, cattle, even doves through the narrow streets at the heart of God's holy city. As John tells us, Jesus made his way straight for Jerusalem before he healed or taught anyone pretty much anything almost immediately after his first miracle, where he walked, and then he walked right up to the temple, made a whip of cords, and started driving everyone out like a crazed man. He saw how they were charging exorbitant prices for the animals necessary to make the required sacrifices, became incensed, and let everyone know how he felt by whipping them on their backsides and forcing them around like a herd of unruly goats. Yes, indeed, as John tells it, Jesus was not messing around. He came first and foremost to drive out the bad actors from God's holy habitation on earth. And he was not about to beat around the bush for a couple of years before doing so. The only problem with this story comes when we try to interpret it in the span of the real historical events that made up Jesus' life and ministry. Did he really go to Jerusalem multiple times to literally whip temple leaders into shape over and over again? If so, how did they let him do it more than once without putting up resistance? And what does it mean for how we think about Jesus' life and ministry being fulfilled by entering Jerusalem only once to meet his fateful end on the cross, as the other Gospels tell us happened? What does it all mean in real time for the real historical Jesus, and the people he actually encountered in the real world? In my teenage years, as my budding critical thinking skills came into use, I stressed over these complexities between these Gospels quite a bit. That's what you guys were all doing when you were teenagers, right? Stressing over the Bible. (laughs) Sort of like, my discernment starts there, right? Understanding that scripture is inspired by the wisdom and will of the Almighty, what does it mean for our sacred texts to contradict themselves in seemingly irreconcilable ways? What's more, why why would these texts need to be contradictory in the first place? Biblical scholars believe that there were originally at least 30 or 40 gospel or different Gospels written down. And out of all these other options, our early Church Fathers narrowed it down to only Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to be included in our uh, Canon of Holy Scriptures. With such a vetting and editing process going on in the early Church, you think they would have chosen gospel stories that sync up a little bit better and make a little more sense, right? With 21st century American eyes steeped in realism, I pondered these contradictions in our scriptures over and over and was increasingly perplexed and curious about what it all meant. Again, a sign that I should be a pastor one day. It was only later that I learned to let go of some of my own perceptions of how I thought the Bible should be written and what it should say, again, what I thought it should say, instead of letting the Bible speak for itself. You ever catch yourself doing that? Imposing things on the Bible that you wish were true? It's a common thing to do. Many people like to pretend that the Bible says one thing or another. Things like, God helps those who help themselves, which it does not, or cleanliness is next to godliness, which sounds more like something in a reader's digest than any Bible passage. And thankfully, the Bible never says, give the preacher money and you will be healed. (laughs) As many televangelists would have us believe, right? The Bible says many things, but there are many things that people assume it says, but it does not. I was assuming that for Scripture to appear as God-inspired, me, then it needed to line up and read like my 21st century perceptions said that it should, like how I thought it should be written. Yet, the chronological anomaly in the Gospel of John when Jesus raged in the temple at the beginning of his ministry instead of at the end threw a major kink in that chain for me among many other anomalies of our scriptures. So what was I missing? I was missing the truth that John was trying to portray. John was trying to tell us unequivocally and without any doubt or confusion that Jesus was God. He was God before the world existed. He was God when things were first created. He was God when humanity descended into sin and brokenness. He was God when Abraham was chosen, when the Hebrew people were enslaved, and still when Moses was sent to set them free. Jesus was God when the Israelites entered the promised land, when King David was established on the throne, and when Solomon built the first temple on Mount Zion. Jesus still reigned when the people were hauled into exile in Babylon and ruled when they returned. Jesus was, is, and always will be infinite, holy, and divine, ruling with God the Father in heaven and proceeding forth with the Holy Spirit by his side. The Gospel of John reaffirms this in no uncertain terms and he shared this truth with us by writing about Jesus as a man walking through this world as one merely untouchable. It was no big deal for him to walk into the temple, make a whip, and start beating the most influential and powerful people in the land with it because he was God. He had no need to worry about who or what he would face in the world, because after all, he was God. He had nothing to fear whatsoever because he was the great I am, who was before all things and would continue to rule the heavenly realms after everything in this one has come and gone. He was, is, and will be our Lord in heaven. And the Gospel of John means to reinforce this truth through every story it tells. Even if the details don't match what we think the history should look like. So, if you're like me and ever find yourself Vexed by the seeming inconsistencies of Scripture. Be reassured that the truth remains behind it all. These stories and contradictions were allowed because the fundamental divinity of our Messiah who dwelt among us is proclaimed through them. The Gospels are more than just history books. They are the good news of the God who lived, walked, worked, and died. Died to save us from all the questions, doubts, and brokenness of this world. As John tells us, there was a persistent fearlessness to Jesus' life and ministry that is proclaimed through stories like these. Unlike the Pharisees and Sadducees, who hemmed and hawed about what God really wanted and how much freedom they had under the hand of the empire. Jesus led and ministered with fearless authority that was fully on display when he routed out the leadership of the temple in Jerusalem. Though we may quibble about the details of when and how all of this happened, The important truth of the matter is that Jesus, in himself, became the temple that can never be tainted by evil or corrupted by lesser men. And the temple, this temple, that is Jesus Christ our Lord, all evil and corruption will be cast out from our lives as well even if a few whips are involved along the way. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown. Go to www.RevSethNelson.com If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace.